Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We don't need no education. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Night on the Circle. This segment will be discussing the fallout from the Hamilton East Public Library policy that's now been reversed after drawing national criticism and the ire of a beloved Hoosier author. Thanks for tuning into the show. Before we delve into that, though, and connect it with a conversation um, held 1959 with Mike Wallace and one of the favorite people ever, uh, Bennett Cerf, publisher, president of Random House. Uh, check this out. There's controversy going on right now in Martinsville schools where I guess parents are pushing back against a policy that uh, would ban students from having cell phones at the school. I agree. Producer Carl, this is ridiculous. As a product of the 90s, I grew up without cell phones. And of course, children in the early 2000s who had them were considered to be privileged, spoiled little brats who had no business having a Nokia, which it was at the time, you know, Nokia at the time. You don't need a cell phone, kid. And it remains the same today. I don't think these kids need cell phones, especially since these things are no longer just phones. They are basically miniature computers. You don't need to have those in the classroom. Sorry. It's a distraction. Yeah. Sorry, parents. And of course, they're, uh, you know, all kinds of, well, what about the school shootings? Like, uh, what do you say to that? Because if you say, well, you know, it's not a problem, then you look like the jerk. But let's be honest, let's be real here. It doesn't, it's not happening every day, you know, and I'm not sure that even if it would happen at your school, that giving a little uh, burger goblin a cell phone is going to make a difference in that in that scenario like sorry so i i don't know i think the parents are making much ado about nothing but that's my take i don't think you need to have a cell phone in the classroom what you do need to have is access to a well-rounded education and a diversity of ideas and thought. I mentioned this because of a policy which has now been reversed at Hamilton Eastern Public Library Schools. This is the brainchild in many ways of Micah Beckwith, who is desperate to gain access to a higher office, any office. He'll take any office. Of course, right now it's lieutenant governor, but I think he'd like to be a congressman or a senator or really anything that will bring him to Washington, D.C. He often bemoans the idea like, oh, it would be so hard for me and my family to move to Washington, D.C. and says it with all the sincerity of like Briar Rabbit. Please don't throw me in the Briar Patch. Oh, I'd hate to be thrown in the Briar Patch. Guy just strikes me as a grifter. Sorry. And this policy that is his brainchild has now blown up in his face. Of course, it seemed, you know, relatively innocuous. Let's be honest. It wasn't a book ban. They were playing musical chairs with the books. They're yanking books that had been approved for the young adult section of the library and transferring them to the adult section of the library on the grounds they had questionable material therein. Whatever, fine, okay, who's going to complain about taking the smut away, uh, you know, from the children's section of the library? But he overreached. He overreached with this book from John Green, Hoosier author, The Fault in Our Stars, because it contained horror of horrors, a sex scene where a heterosexual teenage couple mutually lose their virginity. (gasps) That's not a problem. Like, 
okay, fine, you don't want your kid reading a book like that, but you can't tell me it's not pertinent and relevant to a teenage audience, certainly something they're thinking about. And look, this conversation of censorship isn't even something that's new. It's an old conversation, and the kind of characters who are out to moralize over your life are also not a recent invention. Here is Bennett Cerf, publisher president of Random House, in an exchange with Mike Wallace on the issue of censorship all the way back in 1959. So if you think that society has really you know, run off the rails now, imagine the same conversation being held more than 50 years ago in the golden age of the American past. Last week, you told our reporter, you said this, one of the greatest threats facing book publishing, and the entire country for that matter, is censorship. Now, I think you'll agree that our bookstores are crammed with frequently lurid reading matter. So specifically, why is censorship such a great threat? I don't think the bookstores have as much lurid matter in them as possibly two issues of a daily tabloid. Uh, I don't think books, hardbound books, on the whole, are lurid. There will be an occasional book that might go beyond the bounds. But as far as book publishers are concerned, I think they uh, hew closer to the line of decency and what people should be reading than any other kind of publisher or any other purveyor of entertainment. With all the societal ills we face, imagine trying to paint the picture that libraries are the cause of our social decay. Come on. Let's get real here. Um, and also, the people who want to censor are a particular type of personality. They don't see fit to moralize over their own life. They want to moralize over yours because it gives them control. Yet you say one of the greatest threats facing book publishing and the entire country is censorship. That's right. What is the, who does the censoring, and what is the motive of those who censor? Well, now, that would take a lot of exploration, Mike. I think uh, there are an awful lot of people in this country who are not satisfied to govern themselves and their own families or the people who belong to the same cult that they do, but who have taken it upon themselves to tell everybody else what they should read, what they should see, and what they should think. For what reason do they do it? I guess they think it uh, will uh, make them more sure of getting to heaven. I don't know why they do it. Uh, I think they're selling short the good taste of the American public. Who are these people who would like to inflict this kind of censorship upon the American public? What are the groups? Self-appointed snoop hounds. They such come, as? They such come, as? They come from all walks of life, uh, in all the way back to colonial days and the times of the Puritans. There were people who were telling others what they must think, how they must behave, and uh, what their morals must be. Now, these people cannot resist butting in. Whether it's the Wokies or the Puritans, these people seek to strong-arm and moralize over your own independent decision-making. More than 1,300 books have been removed and set for a review in the Young Adult Library Collection at a cost of more than $300,000 in order just to transfer these and comb over and look for any so-called objectionable material. Objectionable to whom is the question, and therein lies uh, the, the 
the rather deceptive sticking Objectionable point. to that wife whose husband had to turn his head away at the Oppenheimer <laughs> movie. Yes, excellent, <laughs> excellent point. Um, now, they picked in many ways the wrong book because, of course, this drew the ire from Hoosier author John Green, got them to at first reverse the position for his book. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, we overreached. Oh, we're going to put your book back from the adult section into the young adult, uh, se- from the adult section into the young adult section. Um but but of course that wasn't enough. They then, sh- in short order, uh, removed the president of the board, uh, replacing Alderling with an English teacher who'd been uh, teaching in Noblesville School for more than twenty years. So obviously this p- policy and the overreach, particularly backfiring in a big way, because you could have picked the most objectionable material to go after, but instead you chose this relatively tame book to remove, and in so uh, created your own. Undoing. Of course, Bennett Cerf had more uh, commentary on this issue and made an excellent observation that really, again, of all the societal ills, you're not finding them usually uh, in readers. I insist that uh, the teenager is more damaged, let's say, by the gyrations he goes under while he's doing rock and roll uh, maneuvers than he can ever be damaged by the pages of a book. Jimmy Walker, when he was mayor of New York, once said, I never heard of anybody being ruined by a book. Most of the things that uh, are supposed to be so objectionable in books are things that every teenager in the United States not only knows, but has talked about at length in school or on the way home from school. I don't think anybody has ever been really ruined by a book. And why is this issue important? Because it doesn't end with just moving the young adult books over to the adult section. That's the first baby step to a more restrictive policy of total removal because you're starting to make moral judgments over other people's reading material. That's something you can do for your family, but not for other families. Um, Here's Bennett Cerf's final thoughts that I selected from that interview with Mike Wallace in 1959, in which he elucidates the same point that censorship doesn't end with only the objectionable material quickly it moves on to more important matters that could affect you now you say that no matter how objectionable this kind of thing might be there is no harm in letting a teenager or adult read it we on this program have a teenage and adult audience so i'll leave it up to you if you really want to defend your point you take a minute now look it over i thought looked at this i wait a second i don't want to read it and i wouldn't want my children to read it i don't i don't say there aren't a lot of books being published that shouldn't be i'd be a fool if i'd said that to you Well, well i don't understand is if you don't want to read it, you certainly wouldn't read it on the air, you don't want your children to read it, and that you'll defend to the death, so to speak, it's right to be so. You bet I will. Uh, The reason I say that is that uh, if censorship could be confined to trash like this, that would be a fine thing. But we all know from experience that when you start censorship, when you start letting the censor have his way, he doesn't stop at preventing books that are going to hurt youth. The next thing he stops are books that are going to be designed for intelligent adults. And once you let him stop telling you what to read, then he starts telling you what to think and what to do. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's why Bennett Cerf, one of the smartest people to ever exist. Also, um, uh, but the publisher for Ayn Rand's uh, Atlas Shrugged. 
one of the best books ever written. One of my favorite, one of my favorite books. Um, so yeah, check him out. Um, you can also find him uh, making appearances on What's My Line from the 1950s, along with Arlene Francis, Dorothy Kilgallen, uh, John Charles Daly, who is a very storied reporter. Lots of interesting characters. Check that show out sometime. It would well be worth a watch. Um, otherwise, I think we'll leave the conversation on censorship there. It was uh, very well summed summed up by Bennett Surf. Thanks for listening. To to 93 WIBC. Coming up next, Casey Daniels joining us in studio for a conversation, uh, taking a look back at the Republican debate and who won. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans.